Hello and welcome to my series of conversations with stalwarts of music. Today's episode is being partnered by Perpetual Buzz Experiences. They are an artist representation company and they have three basic ideologies. They help artists build very lofty goals and they they are a launchpad for a lot of indie musicians in India. and other parts of the world and they also help and make sure that musicians leverage success and have some of the most fond experiences through the process be sure to check them out on www.perpetualbus.com we have yet another sponsor which is wire up music store one of the finest music retail stores with state of art equipment it's possibly your one stop solution for some of the best musical gear ranging from guitars to ukulele percussive instruments to classical instruments do check out their instagram page which goes by the handle at the rate wireup.india my guest today speaking of her she would probably classify on the list of most attractive rather flamboyant guitar players of all time i'm talking about malina moe She's not only a distinguished guitar player with an eclectic playing style. She's she's a left-handed guitar player who plays the instrument turned upside down. And she's also a great singer-songwriter, actress, model, and a pioneer who fuses rock, funk, and soul music. Her single "Bad as I Wanna Be" was number one on the Billboard charts for about two weeks. She has performed for the Queen of England and become the first woman. of African American descent to play the national anthem at a major sporting event. Her father George Moy, also known as Dr. Funk, was a reputed bassist and a guitar player. Her mom was a backup singer for the legendary Tina Turner. She's also done considerable amount of work in films and uh, she's made uh, a movie appearance and also been on a comedy drama on the Samuel project and burn she's also a philanthropist who contributes to the drive hope foundation without any further ado i'm delighted to welcome my guest for today malina moe hi hey how you doing very well how about you i'm doing good thank you Belated uh, birthday wishes to you. I I hope you had a great one. Oh, thank you. I had a really good birthday. <laughs> thank you. What did you do? Did you do something special with your family? Yes, you know my fiance. He had planned a wonderful day. I enjoyed going to a uh-huh. great uh, massage and just hanging out with him. And we had obviously cake and ice cream. And everybody's just sitting all the birthday wishes. So it's always good to just feel all the love. It was Lovely. so much fun. Lovely. Uh, so let's get started with our agenda for today. I have a couple of interesting uh, questions as part of this podcast. Okay, you know what? Let me get you turned up a little more. All right. Can you can Okay, perfect. Okay. Can you hear me well? Can you hear me? Now it's perfect. Can you hear me okay too? Yes, I can hear you. And I want to make sure I have your name said it correctly. Aditya, right? Yes, Aditya. Aditya. Okay. That's it. So Malina, how did music essentially happen to you and how did it enter your life? That's a good question. Um, well, you know, I grew up in a family band. So my mom, my dad, um, they always played music and there was always music around our house. And so I think that, um, yeah, just my mom and dad, that, that, that's like what everything they did. And then when my brothers and I came along, obviously we love music. And my father, I remember he, you know, there were always guitars around. So I ended up picking up this guitar and I didn't like it. He gave it to me like a right-handed person, and I was like, "Man, this feels weird. It, it doesn't feel good." So when he left the room, I took it, flipped it upside down, and started playing it backwards. And he said, "Malia, that's so wrong." I said, "But this feels good." He goes, "Okay." He says, "You know, I mean, we'll, we'll go, we'll go with it." And that—that's for me. I think how it all started. Wonderful. Uh, if if someone had to write uh, an autobiography of yours, what kind of epitaph or what what would you want them to say about you? what would you want to be remembered as essentially meaning just um as a person i think that mm-hmm. for me i would want people to know that 
they matter and that they count. And I would hope that people would look at my music and more importantly, look at me as a person who tried to leave a lasting impact to inspire people to want to live better lives, be better people, and to connect more. That's what I would hope. Lovely. That's, that's quite a lovely take to life and uh, music. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that, that for me, that, that, that's what I think. Um, I think that's what life is about, for us all to just have a connection. And I think that music is so interesting how, you know, none of us can speak the same language. But when you hear those notes, when you hear melodies, when you hear a, um, the, when you feel a feeling, we're all, we, it doesn't matter. We all just connect. We all can just be on the same wavelength. That's incredible. You know, it's very magical. So I think that our job in life is to find out what makes us who we are and really expand on that and help each other and love each other and have a good time. <laughs> How have you been able to go and pick up the texture of such varied set of musical forms all the way from rock to soul music to blues? What is the secret of this kind of sensibility? How did you develop Thank one? You. you know, I think that, um, again, I want to say growing up with a plethora of music mm -hmm. and being in a musical family. My father plays the bass. So right now he's playing with Bernard Allison, Luther Allison's son. Oh, wow. And um, yep. So, you know, Luther's obviously passed on, but just one of the a great artists as a, himself and a great guitarist. And obviously Bernard is phenomenal. And then my mom and dad together, their band, they were always doing funk and rock and soul. And we always had just an eclectic uh and a plethora of musicians, music. Mm -hmm. And we always grew up where everything was just intertwined. And my father would always want to introduce me to all styles of music. And then I think growing up um, in Minneapolis, of course, you have Prince, you have the Minneapolis sound. And so the Minneapolis sound, a lot of that um, derived from also Ohio. So I was mm -hmm. born in Ohio and Ohio is the land of funk. So, you know, you're going to have, you know, and next door is Detroit. So you still got George Clinton. And of course, you got Roger Troutman, you know, Bootsy Collins. So all this music is and Rick James. So it's going to inspire the next generation would again be like, you know, Prince and Prince being in Minneapolis starts to incorporate rock guitars, you know, and just a different uh, jazz gospel. And I, I'm that person that always says, you know, we, that that the notes don't realize they're supposed to stay in a certain uh, lane. It's us as artists, we can determine whatever style we wish anything to be. You know, that, that's the beautiful thing about, about, about music. It's, it's magical. It's whatever story you wish to tell. So for me, I always think, you know, I, I never look at myself as in a box because the notes don't look at themselves in the box. I'm playing the same notes as somebody in country, the same thing as someone in blues, the same thing as someone in rock. The difference is, is what you wish to put on those particular pieces. And once again, it all just derives back to being the center, something that just has us all connected, which goes right back to what the beginning of this conversation was about, connecting as people, notes connecting. They're all the same. So I think that's probably why. <laughs> Apart from the personal intuitive affinity towards music, you sort of tend to develop a relationship with it. It is more of a process that's built over the years. Is there a sense of history of that of immortality, uh, of course, this, you know, this is something that, uh, that's going to endure. It's not just a fragmentary moment for someone like you. Uh, say, for example, this podcast comes on YouTube and audio streaming platforms. A few people listen to it and then it might be lost forever right? in, in a couple of ways. But, you know, there's a musical piece. If we were to speak exclusively about a musical piece, uh, how is that going to endure? Gotcha. Again, I mean, that's a great question. But I think that musically, when something is truly authentic mm -hmm. and um, everybody can feel it, so it, it will always transcend genres. It will always transcend decades. It will always trans transcend platforms. So no matter what, when we hear something, it's kind of like a folklore, something that just gets passed on. And, and over time, it could be generations from now and 
it start, you know, we all will get different um, ideas about what it was, but because it was so authentic and so real and people gravitated towards it, they all started to interpret it and pass it on. And then we get it. So for me, I mean, I think that the music, um, good music, and sometimes even bad music, but I think that if it's, cause let me tell you something, if you are authentically real in whatever you're doing, that will actually transcend any type of platform. If TikTok leaves tomorrow, trust me, they're gonna find a way to put that on something else and it's still gonna be there. So for me, I just always hope that um, who I am and what I play, I think like anybody, we always hope to leave a lasting uh, impact and that um, people will somehow find to, manage to find um, our art, no matter what that is. So for me, as long as you are being real with yourself and I think other people are going to discover it no matter the platform and it will be here. So I hope that I can have that impression. Uh, that being said, you've definitely punched a hole. You've made a huge impact. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and you also did speak a little bit about the evolutionary process. You know, it, it sort of transcended into a completely new form that you hear. Essentially, yeah. the roots are still there, but yeah, it, it's definitely right. transcended to something modern in this uh, era. Thank you. Thank so, you. Uh, what, what are some of the challenges that, uh, in terms of making music that you've confronted? Man, there's so many different challenges, but I think that that's what makes it fun, right? Because <laughs> yeah. if it was easy, everybody would do it. But I think that, um, man, you know, for me, I'm also that artist who I, I like to just, as crazy as it sounds, I'm, I like to be one with what I'm doing. I like to just hone my energy into what I'm feeling, what I feel the universe is, is bringing to me. And even with songs, I always feel like songs are like children. I think that people, um, the, the gods, as you would say, or for me, maybe God says, hey, I'm going to give this uh, information to you. And however you receive it, you, it comes out. And then, you know, hopefully it, it, you can do it justice and people identify with it and they like it. But um, for me, it's also, I, I like to just continue to write and shape and play and shape and continue to shape. And then there's always a, a group of people that I like to also bounce things off of who I feel also um, are a part of the Melina Moy Foundation, who for me understand the depth of what it is I'm trying to do, but at the same time also um, aren't afraid to push the boundaries. Because like I said, this is a business. But at the same time, I think the art is, is so important because see, the thing is, the art is what will always last, yep. right? The business, obviously the business is the business, but people, if it's good art, whether it's now or 50 years from now, they're going to find it. So that, that's me. So I'm gonna, I want to make sure I have always you know, the right people to help me to voice what I'm wanting to do and that they come from the same type of, uh, root, root, they're rooted in what they do. So I think that that's, that's how, um, for me, I think my sound, my style, and obviously always just wanting to get better, wanting to make it better than it was, feeling like, for me, it's always about challenging the music, challenging my listeners, challenging myself. So that's kind of how I see um, my music and um, wanting to intertwine it and, and make it better. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> you did speak about the Malina Moy Foundation. Uh, so you've definitely, from what it seems, you've taken your work to other areas of interest as well, where you yes. feel passion, passionate about causes such as promoting uh, a lot of youth to follow their passion. Yeah. What, what prompted you to work towards these causes? And what is special about a premier guitar player like you moving into this area, these set of areas of philanthropy? Thank you. Well, you know, I think it's important for everybody to give back. And I think that once you find, how do I say this? When you know, no matter who you are, we all have something to contribute, right? And the reason that I am where I am is someone poured back into me. So it's important that, that that's a part of the deal. You get to a certain place, you have to give back. That's how you keep everything going. Because I remember, and like even now today, certain things will come up and you go, man, I wish I could speak to this person or I understood how this works. Because in life, you know, there is no blueprint. So it's important to have mentors. It's important to have people that you can speak to, people that you can lean on and get different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I always say, no matter who you are, 
the only way most things are going to happen, well, a lot of things are happening. Someone is going to have to lift down to lift you up. Someone's going to have to um, open the door for you, you know, and you supply an opportunity. You got the talent, you got the goods. And then sometimes a lot too with my foundation, Drive Hope, um, we want others to know that you don't have to go out there and you don't have to be a premier guitarist or the next big superstar. You can be yourself. There are so many different elements in this world that make this world. So with Drive Hope, we have Hope Chats and we bring in different professionals and have them to share their story about who, what, when, where, how, and how they got to become the people they are so that other people can see that you can come from certain circumstances and it, it doesn't mean that that's where you're going to end up. You can do anything that you really want to do. I'm sure a lot of people know my story. I came out to LA with $20. I was homeless. I lived in the street. I had nothing. I lived off of two tacos and water a day. I used to wash up in gas stations. I'd park my car in places you're not supposed to park. And I'd put clothes over my head and I'd have a knife and a Bible. And every day I would pray to God, please help me change my life. And, you know, for me, I, you never forget those things. So when people always hear that and they go, and then you got to where you are now. But for me, I, I guess I just say, you put one foot in front of the other. And we've been blessed that many people Many, many people have come in along the way. I always say I feel like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. You know, you meet the <laughs> Tin Man because those people all put like different things into my life, which helped me to get to where I am. And I feel like that's exactly what I wish to do and want other people to know that, hey, you can have nothing. You can be homeless. You could have nothing at all. It, but but hope is, is so important and a, and a vision that is like priceless. And those are the people that go on to change the world. So I, I'm always saying just just whatever it is that you do, find that thing that makes you you. And it, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, a dream doesn't matter about uh, your circumstances. What matters is that you realize that you know what you want to do. And I promise you, if you put one foot in front of the other, some kind of way the universe rewards you for betting on yourself. I always say that. And it does. It takes time, but, but you, you just got to keep going. So that's sure. why we did Drive Hope. Uh, you you did mention that nothing comes easy. You no. started you started out. Uh, you've had a couple of hardships. You've yeah you've kind of like overcome all these obstacle obstacles along your way. I'd read in one of your earlier interviews uh, as to the writing process of the song "Enough." Right. So, do you feel the great journey of your life, the intense sense of suffering, and the overcoming of that, uh, has sort of uh, taken effect in terms of your writing has that been the reason you're such a great writer is suffering necessary to be a great writer wow that's a great um, <laughs> question you know i think again and thank you for for that compliment um again i am that person who feels so many different things and whatever is happening in my life or someone else's life I am also, whether it's good or bad, but for some reason with this particular record, um, and you're referring to my Bad As I Want To Be, which mm -hmm. was the last album and the yeah. single Enough, what took, it's, it's ironic how this whole thing took place. It's because once again, when you go through so many different obstacles, um, when you are the first person to do certain things, when you're entering into different platforms and you don't see other people who look like you, when you're challenging the music and what, by that I mean, you're completely doing something that's so different where you have to start your own label find your own capital, put all these pieces together, which now everyone um, is, is doing, which is great, but there's still certain places that haven't been navigated or charted. It's very difficult and it's going to be some hard days. So I think that by being a songwriter, I am there, I'm able to listen to your story, feel my story and just write. And with that song enough, I literally wrote that song in 15 minutes because what happened was I was looking at this magazine Let's just say that this magazine. And I thought, oh, my God, these people are, are, are listing these particular artists, but they don't realize that as a woman and as a black woman, we, we don't have the same um, opportunities that these people are putting out here. And I'm like, this is so wrong because I feel like I've worked my butt off and there's so many people who are like this. But yet you, you are you're not including us in this the way that you're putting this particular platform together. And I thought, wow, for these people, am I, I'll never be enough for them. 
this is crazy because all the things that we've done, they're not even like looking at that. And people have the right to do whatever they want, but I'm like, they're looking at this completely wrong. And I'm like, I don't think they're meaning to be racist, but I think that they're looking at it from what their perspective is and not understanding that you're excluding a tremendous amount of people. So I literally started writing. And I thought, you know what? This is nothing to do with Justice Magazine. This is what's happening in America. And so I just started to, to, to write. And, um, and I remember when I was a kid, my parents would always say, Melina, you could do anything you want. You could be everything you want. And I thought, wow, mom, that I believed all those things. And I, I believe it. But it's like certain things along the way, they're just not playing it fair. They, they're still looking at things in an, uh, an, an old way of thinking. And that's not life. And then ironically, 2020 happens. The whole world shuts down. The murder of George Floyd happens. And then suddenly I have to tell you that when all these things started to happen, it's like the world started to do a reshift. And then suddenly that song was actually on my 2018 record. That record ended up making a whole other resurgence. And I realized that so, (laughs) I mean, so many people identified with that song. And if I had one song that people would remember me by, I would hope it would be that one. Because I believe every word I wrote in that record and I, I, yeah, and it just made me realize, again, I went to what my mom and dad said to me, when you don't see yourself represented, show up, when you think you can't show up and always know you matter and you count. So no matter what in life, celebrate yourself. Other people are not going to clap for you. That is fine. Celebrate yourself. Find the, the, the core group of people to clap for you. If they don't clap for yourself and, and understand that, that, that like, you know what I mean? And just, just keep working no matter what, keep working and, and um, somehow, again, the universe rewards you um, in ways that you never even imagined. Yeah. But do you, certain, do you sometimes feel that there is fear in the process of the unfolding present, particularly before an audience, mm-hmm. uh, things could go wrong, you could forget your next move in terms yeah. of guitar playing. I mean, oh, yeah. each time... Uh, it happens to me in my personal life as well. I yeah. start recording a podcast session. I'm very nervous, like, like I am right now. I fumble, yeah. <laughs> I stumble, which, which is a regular process, right? So what, what is going All to happen, right. especially when it comes to a performance, is there are so many different elements. It's, it's not a Absolutely. joke. Right? And, uh, uh, in what ways do you carry that memory as to what has to be done next? Because it is so structured. How do you go about sure. things like that? Oh, well, you know what? Um, that's a great question. Do you have so many good questions? So my thing is this, um, and I want to just go back to what your other question was. You don't have to have uh, bad things happen to you to, uh, to me to be a songwriter. I think you just have to be in touch with yourself and in touch with other people and feel, and that you have to just want to um, work on a way to get what you're saying out so that it makes sense. And that's the part about cultivating your craft and just hoping to get better and being around better songwriters and just being, you know, continue to do it. But back to your other question, for me, I think that, I mean, that's the beauty of music and the magic, right? The lie, there are going to be mistakes. That's how you know it's good. It's great because you learn. That's the thing about life. Nothing's going to be perfect. Now, what you do is you fall, you get back up and you keep moving. And I always say, if I hit a bad note, guess what? I know not to hit that note again. <laughs> but nine out of 10, like, no, yeah, just don't hit it again. It doesn't, it didn't work there. Okay, so I will do it again. You know, because the thing is, have fun. People, I think, really want to have fun. They come to concerts because we all, like myself, I'm a fan of so many artists. I want to go out, enjoy your music, excuse me, enjoy the music and have a good time and just forget about whatever I'm going through. And I think that as artists, most importantly, we enjoy writing, but the reason you get out there is you love to give the energy and get it right back. And it's just a beautiful feeling. And I'm gonna tell you something, I've never done drugs, but the thing is when you're on stage and you're performing and you're playing just from the people, you can really feel it. You, it's like you, it, it's, you know yourself, it's, it's unbelievable, right? And then when you get off, it's kind of like, wow, this is, it, it's, it's, it's incredible that you, and I always go, that's amazing that, you know, one person can have so much power in a hand like that, where you can get everybody to come in. So I'm, I yeah, my thing is you fall, get back up. That's how it works. You get embarrassed. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Since we are discussing this uh, topic of art, isn't there fear that we might sort of end up romanticizing the role of art, its function, usefulness of art in yeah. culture and a society that we still feel is disenfranchised? So what what is your take towards something like that? You know, I think that um, art in many mediums are important because they make life. That's what we have conversations about. I mean, think about it. If we didn't have, like, even I look at, you know, podcasts, um, writing, obviously, music, drawing, illustrations, anything that you do. Imagine our life without that, how silent it would be. It's kind of like in the early, was it the 20s or 30s when it was like silent film? I mean, it's, but that's still a form of art. So if you have to look at it where there, where there was nothing. So my thing is we always will have art. I think because we are all, well, for myself, I say, I just love being creative. And, you know, that's a part of life. That's a part of, um, yeah, I mean, ants are creative. Look how they, you know, everything they build, doves, birds. These are all creatures who create something that's important. I mean, you know what I mean? Just, just, you know, just today looking up in the trees and I'm like looking at all this stuff. I'm like, man, this is beautiful. The wind is music. See, I hear and see things so differently. All that is art. It, it's like how you see it, right? I mean, you know, the, the one thing that even made you want to pick up a guitar and you like see the person playing and then you see the way they're holding the guitar, the note, the feeling, even the clothes, their body, their language, all that to me is art, I, all that, the stage lighting, all those people, all those things create the space that make it what it is, right? Even if it's just dark, that's still art. It's us maybe just only listening, feeling, you, you know what I mean? I'm one of those people. So I, I think that art's gonna always be important in all the mediums because it makes life fun and interesting. And we're gonna always talk about it. And I, I mean, to be honest with you, it seems that a lot of really great art comes from the disenfranchised, but I think that it's because, you know, like they always say, what is it, the saying? You make a dollar out of 15 cents. It's because sometimes, you know, like to me, I remember when I first came out here, I would look on the ground for pennies to tape together to buy something to eat. And I think that you always just learn to take the little things and just try to really expand on it. And I think having that in your life right? It, it really makes you appreciate so much and you learn to make so many things from nothing. And I think that that's what they call art because it seems like it's magic, but I like to think it's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wonderful the, the way you kind of like connect all these varied set of references and it just turns out to be some beautiful answer that you have for me. <laughs> You have great questions. <laughs> Thank you. There's a great deal of theorizing about the relation between external posture and external gesture and internal processes and what happens to the mind as a consequence, which is the basis of a lot of mind-body techniques. So how does that sort of a thing work in music uh, in the sense that you need to manifest goodness to be a good person and make good music. Do you think it's, it's necessary? Um, no, as crazy as that sounds, because the thing is, um, some of the craziest people make excellent music. And I think that the more dysfunctional people are, more than likely, the more <laughs> they, are, I mean, honestly, as crazy as that sounds, I think the more dysfunctional people are, the more you're like, God, this guy's nuts, but he is so good. Or sometimes some people may be, um, recovering addicts but you ever notice that those are like some of the most talented people and you're like oh my god but then because there's the yin and the yang and like I said sometimes certain people or certain things can be just you know completely out their mind or just like such an alcoholic but when they're on stage these people never miss a note which is insane to me and they can just come up and do things and you're like this is oh my god so certain gifts I think that it just is how you learn to interpret certain things to make it work. But what's so interesting about the mind, I definitely think that for sure, you gotta think positive. And, and something that like with my next album, my next album's called Dirty. And since mm -hmm. we're touching on this, the reason I actually did this record is because um, I realized during the pandemic, something traumatic really happened. 
I mean, to me personally. And I thought, oh my God, in order for me to get through this and, and feel okay with this, I have to forgive these people. And that forgiveness is not for them, it's for me, so that I can continue to live a clean, clear life. And by that, I mean spiritually, emotionally, because you know what? Those people don't deserve uh, my energy. And so one of the things that I want people to do is to take the high road. That is a hard thing to do. That is because you, when someone goes low, I promise you, you want to drag them in the gutter, right? I know I do, <laughs> but that's not right. And that's not good. So for me, mental, oh man, your mind has to be right or you, you cannot function. Like that, that eventually, even the alcoholic, the person that has an addiction, I promise you, eventually these things will catch up with you. You have to stay positive. You have to want to spiritually and emotionally um, be the better person for yourself. Those things will help you to, to manifest. So on the, on the inside, on, on the flip side of your answer, yes, it's important to stay positive because if you cannot do that spiritually, emotionally, these things can also bring all kinds of things inside your body. I mean, different things that you never even knew that you would have. So to me, yes, you want to emotionally be good and, and spiritually. Try to. Yes. And fine. And if you need a moment, walk outside, breathe, take it all in and just stop and go, okay, let me center myself and, and, and bring myself back. That is important because that's how you're going to survive and not uh, want to go out and attack and go after people. And, you know, I, I read somewhere, they said that there are three stages in the way we do things. The first stage is someone makes you mad and you, you all of a sudden you're like, man, I swear to God. And then the second stage is you start to go, well, if I do this, you know, I'm going to get them. And then the third stage is what happens when you do it. And that's the part where we all should be, which we go, okay, if I actually go do this and this, I will get in trouble. <laughs> so this is why I should do it. You see what I mean? So you can think about what you're doing and how that will, there will be definite repercussions for that. So yeah, you definitely want to think positive and get around positive people. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> you, you did speak about spirituality. Amen. I'm interested in knowing what are some of the spiritual techniques that you embody for yourself? You know, the thing is, this, for me, um, we always grew up, for me, I believe in God. And I believe that all the gifts and things that, um, that if you, people want to say we have, or I should say I have, um, I think that they really came from God. I think that it's, it's like even the songs, the thing, the, the playing, when people see you, um, that's a reflection of themselves, but I think they're actually seeing the bigger picture of the maker. That's what I think. The person that's, that's allowing you to see the energy. Sometimes I, I, for me, before I go on stage, before I do anything, I always pray. I'm always that person that always likes to, to be in tune. Even when I do a venue, I walk into the venue and I say, um, you know, be good to us today. <laughs> and I thank them for allowing me to come in because I feel like it's their space and they're giving us the opportunity to come in to perform. And I feel that when you do that, the universe, the gods who all are in that space actually says, please do your thing here. It's crazy that sounds, but that's what I think. Um, and my dad said something to me, which I never noticed. He said, are you aware that when you do your guitar pedals, that you actually go through each of them yourself, even after your tech does it, you actually will go through them several times. And I was like, really? And he said, it looked like a ritual. So, I mean, I guess there's little things that I do that I don't even notice that I'm actually doing. But every day I pray and I thank God for waking me up. And like I said, when I was in my car and I had a Bible and a knife, I, I for me, people thought that, you know, like that, that could be like the worst times of your life. But the truth is those were some of the best because for me, I really, really, really leaned on God because I felt like, man, when you have no, nothing to eat, when you have nothing, right, you start to realize God, the universe will supply it. I would look on the ground and find pennies or quarters and tape it to go buy a sandwich. And I would eat that day. I mean, so for me, I, I, even when things get like really crazy, I'm like, man, I don't know how we're going to pull this off. I always go back to that moment and think, if he brought me through that, he's going to get me through this. He didn't bring me this far to bring me this far. So I'm always so grateful. And um, so funny, my fiance told me this. He said, you know, uh, he said, I found this Bible, right? I, when I came out here, I would always have a Bible and I'd write down all the things I wanted to happen in my life. And he came running in. He said, Melina, I found your Bible. And I was like, what? 
And then I looked and he goes, yeah, there's all these notes you wrote to God. <laughs> so I guess all these things I wrote down that I wanted to see happen. And I looked and I said, like, oh my God. And they all started, they all happened. They're all happening. So I mean, it's, it's so I'm like, you got to put it out there. Say what you want. I think it's important to voice it out. Like I always speak in existence. I'm looking for this. I want this, which is probably why, again, the song, I am enough. And I think someone bought to me, Brought to my attention, I am enough actually wrote out amen. And I said, I didn't even realize that. So once again, all these little things that I was like, wow. Yeah. And so I, yeah, so that's it. So that's me. I pray, I center myself and I'm very grateful. And every day I say, thank you. Thank you so much. Again, thank you for this interview. Thank you for allowing me to come out to also speak to your audience. Thank you for everybody, for all the wonderful wishes. I am so grateful and I feel so blessed. Thank you. Does God take a particular form or shape for you? You know, that's a great question. Honestly, I, I, I don't think so. I, for me, I think it's the feeling. Like, I know I'm not alone. You know what I mean? If that makes sense? Like, because yes. I, I, again, I, even when I came out here and I was in my car and I was like, oh my God, you're so scared because you don't know anybody, you don't know anything. I always felt like there was someone always in the backseat. So there's always someone with me. I always use that analogy and say, it's like when we all ride a bicycle and you know how you have uh, training wheels and then your mom is like holding you up and then she takes the training wheels off and she's still holding you up and then she takes her hands off for two seconds and then you believe that you're, you're, you're like, look, mom, I'm doing it. And then you look back and when you look back, you fall. You fall because you didn't believe that you were actually riding. But when you continue to move forward and think someone's behind you, you stay up. That's what we have to be, where we consistently think that I have the faith. I'm going to keep moving and it'll be good. So, yeah, so I think that some God to me is always with me. Or, I mean, that, that's how I feel. Are you someone who's very cautious of uh, what the press writes about you, uh, given that you were featured on Vogue India during your time at India? Uh, so do you, India? Do you keep an eye out in terms of what critics have to say about your performance? The next morning on the popular <laughs> press. Can I be honest with you? I mean, I think we all do, right? But sometimes it's not cool because then it's like, I'm that person that will, like, again, take offense. And I'm also the person that watches movies and I'll find the director and I'll seriously DM them and go, what were you thinking when you did this film? Please explain to me. But, um, you know, yeah, but, but you know, I, I like to see it and then I go, oh, okay. But, um, once again, because of the business that we're in, you, I think it's important that did you do a good job? Do you believe in what you did? And you got to move forward with that because I promise you, everybody's going to have an opinion and it's not going to be nice. It, it, you know what I mean? But um, it's always good when people can um, appreciate what you do and, and totally identify with what you're doing. But yeah, but again, India, let me, I, I, oh my God, what an amazing country. I had such a good time and uh, Mr. Mahindra showed up which was awesome. And to meet him was incredible. What? I, I just remember thinking, and besides the fact, you know, obviously he bought us over like Joss Stone and all these great artists. And I remember, I remember thinking, what a nice guy. He, like every person, I mean, everybody, he knew everyone's name. And I, just, I, 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 I look at all the little things. And I said, man, this is why this guy is who he is. He is so cool. He wanted to make sure we all had a great time. And then what was so interesting for me is, to, to come to your country and just the, the spirituality. And I was like, everybody, I always say like, like here in America, keep, we, we all think one thing, but when I got there, I thought, man, you can just feel how beautiful the people are, there, you know? And I don't know, I, I, I myself had a, a great time and it was just amazing to me to see the culture and to see how everyone, which is what I love about traveling too, is, is, is regardless of the circumstance, everybody was happy. And I said, that's amazing. I, I, I said, this is, this is unbelievable. And I remember too, it, it was crazy because for me, uh, every time we would come out, you know, the, uh, our hotel, it was interesting because, you know, I guess all the bomb threats and different things. So they would always have to check us for these things. And I thought, right. wow, so people, I never, like for me, I, that, that just blew me away. Um, yeah, but it was, it was, it was, the most incredible experience. And I cannot wait to get back to India. And I mean, it, yeah, it was, it was great. 
Did, did you develop? Food obviously, delicious, huh? <laughs> did you develop an affinity towards Indian musical forms after your visit here? Have you started listening to Indian music of any sort? You know what? Can I tell you something? What I, I, I no, I, to be honest, I I did not. But um, right. the, as far as the art with the clothes, absolutely. And then also one thing I took from you guys is um, your coffee. <laughs> the thing <laughs> is, when I coffee? had a cup. Yes, but but at the same time, you, I had asked for a cup of coffee, and I'll never forget. You guys came in, and um, the guy I was asking for milk, and then he ended up doing something different with the cream. And I remember going, "Oh my God, I want to have my coffee like this all the time." So now I, I'm, I'm always like, "Yes, I want my coffee." <laughs> it was something with the cream that was so great, and the way you did your bacon was something too, or make mm-hmm. yeah. But then also. Um, and then I think it was when I went, because again, I go to like different, just to see like what you have. I don't, if I remember correctly, this was, was it here in Brazil? I think it was here where there was no meat. And like the Burger Kings, it was like no meat because it was something where, right? It, it um, spiritually, something else Alil. about not. Yeah, Alil. But we, I learned so much, right? So I was like, yeah. wow. And, and just incredible. So I, bad. And then I had this one guy that was following us out our hotel and it was so funny. Because he knew that every time I looked, he was just looking at me and he had all the stuff in his teeth. But then he said, if you give me some money, I'll stop following you. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Like, it was, <laughs> so it was the best. And then, you know, it, it, so for me, it was, I had such a good time. It was so fun. And then I remembered every time we would come out and I even said to Mr. Mahindra, can we, oh, you have so much food here. I said, for me, can we give some to the folks across the street? Oh. Listen, this is crazy to me that all this stuff is here. And it, 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 it breaks my heart that, because it was like one side of the street, it's completely posh. And then the yeah. next side of the street, and I said, man, this is it's mind blowing. Yes. But the happiness that the people, ha- that's what I'm saying. I was like, this is unbelievable. And, and, and that's when I said, can I be honest? I said, we don't know anybody who actually is suffering. I said, when I went to India, the people, the way everybody still, the, the hope and the happiness and the, the belief, uh, spirituality was so strong. And I thought, wow, this is absolutely amazing. And if we all were to center and do like this, I said, there would be so many incredible changes. Yeah, but, but, but yeah. So, so my thing is, I, I loved it. I had a, a ball, learned so much. So I much. also did uh, read upon, uh, I think the Hindu, which said that, you wanted to visit a zoo at that point in time. Did you end up going to one? No, I wanted to, right. Cause I was like, man, cause I always love going to like just the different uh, zoos. I remember in Australia, they let me, you know, pet the kangaroos, but no, we didn't get a chance to go. I, I, um, I really so badly wanted to go. They said, no, we can't go. But hopefully when I get to go back next time, we get a chance to, um, to see it. But what was also wild was like, I was so blown away by how many people that was, I was just like, wow. I mean, unbelievable, just because uh, obviously we know New York, but then it's like you walk across the street. I mean, it seemed like thousands of people yeah. just uh, it was it was. But once again, the spirituality, I, like and I think that it, or maybe it might have been where we stayed. Wasn't it certain times it was always prayer because mm-hmm. the, the clocks and then everyone would stop. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. So once again, it, it showed me that absolutely. Um, you very spiritual. And no matter what, everybody is, is very grateful and takes the moment to whatever that prayer is, that it was, it's definitely a part of life. It takes so me back like to the you. question, when are you coming back to India? I when love it. You you know, I can't, are you kidding me? I can't wait. And when we, when I do come, we got to jam. Are you, it would be sure. just, right? Wouldn't that'd it just be a total, the, the That'd be a total honor. I, <laughs> pleasure be mine. It would be so cool. So I, I'm, Rooting soon, Mr. Mahindra, bring us back. That was so fun. Like, like you're that the Mahindra Festival, one of the best festivals. Just uh, great people, wonderful time, and the culture, just incredible. And like I said, just learning from everybody, and just the kindness, and again, gratefulness. I learned for me, like we talked about the art of it. Again, it, it wasn't just the music because I remember Joss Stone. She went and yeah. she went shopping and bought all these incredible outfits, and I was like, oh, I love it. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, so just absolutely wonderful. So from, I always talk about that time. I was like, man, that was great. Just great people. Yeah. 
we have a lot of fans who've tuned in on the Instagram live stream which is on right now. Uh they are interested in knowing uh anecdotes, some very interesting anecdotes uh, uh from your performances, something very something that's probably at the top of your head that you'd like to share with them. Anecdotes. Meaning mm-hmm. like 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 what do you mean like what um experiences like experiences or stories that have uh, that'll forever remain close to oh, your heart. Oh, something. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, well here's one. Well, I remember I'll never forget. I remember when I actually played the national anthem, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine we had the stadium, maybe like 80,000 people sold out. And then you have wow. your in-ears in and then they give you another in-ear. So obviously you're going to have someone talking to you, then you're going to have to be able to hear yourself playing. So I was so into doing it that when I finished, I mean, I had no idea that there were fireworks. They literally had fireworks going off with and the red, rockets red glare. And then when it was all finished, I hit the last note and I remember thinking, "Oh my god, I must have sucked." No one's even clapping. Like I can't hear anything. And when I finally took the in ear out, then I heard, <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, eighty thousand people." So that's what you know that's what it right. sounds like. That yeah. So that was one I remember because I kept thinking, "Oh man, that sucks." So if you see at the end, you see me doing like this, and then I was like, oh, I "Messed it up. <laughs> I must have missed the note." <laughs> I seriously thought that, and then I and then when I saw the video footage, I said, "Oh my god, there were fireworks!" Because you can hear. <laughs> I mean, like, but no clue. That's one, and I want to say also. Oh, well, I don't know if I could say this one, but I'll say this. When, when we did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, it was honoring Chuck Berry when he was alive. Wow. It was incredible because it was so many, um, you know, you have just the best artists. Talking, like Joe Bonamas was there, Merle Haggard, Lenny from Motorhead was alive. Who else was there? Um, DMC, just all, all these great artists and Ernie Isley. And I think for me, it was watching Mr. Chuck Berry perform. I remember going, oh my God, now I see where everybody's got this from. And then it dawned on me, I was, I saw him. And then when you see, like at the time, he's like 86, but then you're looking and you see just the energy and he was still doing it. And what was cool is he was playing his set. And then here's a, a, a cool fact. You might see this other picture where Chuck Berry had a super long cord. He come on, he came all the way to backstage and I was sitting down. And then he just came and sat right next to me. I was literally backstage and he just started playing the guitar and then he went back out front and then we all came out. But it was so interesting. I thought, well, hell, this is the coolest thing. Chuck Berry's just sitting here playing. I'm just sitting here. And then we go out and um, yeah, it was it was it was unbelievable. And um, his wife, Miss Thermita, she was there. And to have it was an honor. It was just to, to, to play for a man that has done so much for music. Um, and then I started to go deeper and I realized that he got it from Sister Rosetta Fox. And yeah. you see what I'm saying? Yeah, there was um, another, yeah. So the kicker is she was the person who was very instrumental in starting rock and roll. And when yeah. you start to look at the aspect of like church and the guitar and the house and, you know, all the spirituality, you start to realize, wait, that's church actually. And then it, you start to go down and I said, oh, I see Chuck Berry. And then I said, I see Jimi Hendrix. I see Prince. And I said, all the people that I'm looking at and that I'm loving, I had no idea. I started to see my own lineage if they were my family. And I said, and then now I see how I got it. Because it's like the folklore of what we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. How you see something and then it just starts to translate and then it becomes, that's right. And I thought, wow. And I thought, man, I was so grateful. I said, man, God, I'm so glad that you let me be a part of this Chuck Berry. And what was ironic was the president of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame actually saw a video of me. And then he personally had called me and said, listen, we're honoring Chuck Berry and we'd love for you to come be a part of this. And I thought, oh, my God, yes. And so, yeah, that's, that's, so that's how that actually ended up happening. I, I, so that was great. And then cut to years later, because of the enough, um, now there's a case at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But a lot of folks know that, you know, yeah. So this is so. That's it. I'm trying. Oh, oh, there's another footage. I always wanted to say this one. We did a, this, this concert called The Artist for Peace mm-hmm. by uh, Flora Motorossi, and she passed away. Mr. Steve was performing. We honored Mr. Stevie Wonder. Shaka Khan was there. There's some footage on my uh, page, if you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself, uh, Eric Benet. It was super cool. Um, but the kicker was, people never realize this. Now, all guitar players know this. So here's the thing. Imagine you have your setup. Now, if one wire in your pedal is not plugged in, every guitar player knows 
you ain't going to get no noise. There's nothing going to come out. It'll be slight. But all of a sudden, I'm out here, so as we're talking about, with all these amazing artists, and I'm playing, and I'm like, what the hell? Where's the sound? So people are like, why is Melina just chucking? And I'm thinking, well, here's the option. As I was playing a note, nothing was coming out. So I said, let's try to get some because that way, at least you guys can figure out what the problem is so we can get it going because my solo mm-hmm. is about to happen and I'm about to go up and sing and I got nothing, guys. So that, so people never knew. So that's what happened. And finally, the second part of that is I looked down and said, God damn it, the guy never plugged the whole thing in. So we got in that. So then the second time around, it worked. But what was crazy was um, that's why people saw me doing this because I thought, well, here's my moment. This is all I got and there's no sound. So I'm going to sing. and. There's nothing happening, so we're going to go with it. So that was something. But back to what you said, when something doesn't work, get up and keep going. And the kicker is no one even knew that, but they were like, oh, my God, she was great. And then something like uh, some guitar player was like, yeah, you know, she didn't play. And I'm thinking, sir, the thing wasn't even plugged up. I was fortunate to get the sound that I got. <laughs> so I was happy about that. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. what some. I'm, I'm sure I'll get off and think of so many other, like, antidotes. What's, I'm trying to think. Um, God, I mean, there's so many great people. If you know some, one of the, the moments or something you saw that, that, yeah, that, I mean, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, maybe, oh, um, Experience Hendrix tour. It was, again, Eric Johnson, incredible um, guitarist. I think my dad, that's how I started to realize. He said um, that I go and do the pedals and I realized I saw Eric doing the same thing. Eric Johnson, he, his, the tech would put it all together, but I saw Eric would go back and I was like, wow. I think I counted 12 times that he went back to look at them pedals before they went out. And I was like, that's amazing. And happy birthday, Eric. I remember because your birthday is one day before mine oh, okay. and I'm the 20th. So I remember I was having that conversation. I was like, oh my God, so here's August 19th. So happy birthday. <laughs> but um, yeah, and um, that was a good time. We, we had Kenny Wayne Shepherd, just great. Like, oh my God, what an incredible player. Uh, buddy guy, just amazing. So many cool people and so many awesome places and players. And if you, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm just trying to think of like what, what I could actually say <laughs> or someone won't call me and go, what the hell did you say, Melina? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Speak, speak your heart out, whatever you feel like. No, I see you trying to get me in trouble. No, but I mean, some good ones that, that I won't get in trouble over. No, I mean, um, no, it was great. Everybody was great. And um, having a chance to even go in and, you know, meet Janelle Monet. I think that was pretty awesome because um, ironically, the Hidden Figures movie came out mm-hmm. and um, I had Lily put a tweet and said, oh, what a great movie. I'm, this is so amazing. I've never seen it. Two days later, my agent got a call and he was like, hey, Janelle's a fan. She wanted to know if you want to come and uh, jam and work on some music. I was like, oh, okay. So I got a chance to go down to Atlanta. That was wonderful. And um, had a chance to vibe with her and meet and play. So it's just so many incredible, cool people where ironically, you just like, this is nuts. Or, um, yeah, just, you know, just incredible people. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> and Bootsy, Bootsy's great. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to like, you know, we have so many great stories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so shout out to everybody. <laughs> Speaking of Eric Johnson, we had him on the show uh, a couple of episodes before. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was great. He, Phenomenal. Yeah, he had a lot to speak about spirituality composure and he's got a lot of lot of interesting material yeah i mean and you know what i mean too is like the conversations i I always say too like you know everybody gets on stage and we perform but i always thought the best stuff was backstage like in our dressing room because i remember going oh my god if people could actually see what we're doing back here and i remember you know like and, and and johnny lang uh literally doing playing james brown and just all you know just the little things and the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, because you'll see like so many um, of these artists are so deep. Even like I say, my big brother, Eric Gales, Eric, Eric is phenomenal. Um, I mean, I think everybody knows, like Eric always talks about his sobriety, but um, I was the person that actually um, looked to Eric to show me some stuff because we both play upside down. And then ironically, um, I ended up calling my father mm-hmm. and my father was the one that ended up putting him in treatment. And he came to Minnesota. And I remember when we, when I got back to Minnesota, we all, it was the coolest thing. Cause imagine, you know, having breakfast. And so mm-hmm. it would be like me and Eric Gales and we would just have our guitars out and he would just show me certain licks and certain things. And 
that was a really good time. And my joke, I always say to people, and, and, and the thing is, this, Eric is really deep. Eric is really deep and just a good person. And Eric is really right-handed, which was crazy to me because I'm like, you're right-handed. How the heck are you playing upside down left-handed? Because I know, you know, but, but, um, and I always joke to people and say, yeah, I'm the one guitar player that could make Eric, uh, make Eric Gales cry. But that's only because when I did the national anthem, Eric was there and Eric, yeah. So he, we, that time he was actually there. And I'll never forget. He basically was like, Melina. Did you play this in this capacity? This is crazy. You sounded good. And he started crying. I was like, wow. So it was a good moment. So just, you know, all the the good things that, you know, make certain things happen. What a great memory. And I think, um, yeah. And I and one of Buddy Guy's text was there too. So it was great. I mean, we had a good time. So, you know, just um all the people I think that you, that I that I love and who are amazing are very deep. Even like Mr. Steve, Stevie Wonder. Um I mean, you know, I remember when I first met him, I never forget my friend came to me and said, hey, somebody want to meet you. They hear you playing. And I was like, hear me playing. And they said, hey, just come by. I said, OK. So I get in. This is like six o'clock in the morning. I said, well, let me put some. They're like, no, 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 no. Just come like you are. I was like, well, I kind of feel like I should put some clothes on, like, you know, make myself presentable. And then I got there and I was like, oh, my God, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> and so just to sit and talk with Mr. Steve and then him saying, you know, he hears me playing and he's like, I didn't know it was you. And, you know, for, to hear his perspective. And he was talking about Nelson Mandela. And again, you start to realize uh, just all the, like, the, the, the beautiful, the goodness, spirituality, the musicality, the, the, the human experience that is in that moment. And then you just go, wow. And then I all, and then it just made me realize again. The, the, the universe has a way of connecting you to the people who are a piece of your DNA somehow in any of the art, meaning just in the human experience. And it's up to you to listen and to, to take and, and to, to feel it, understand it, digest it, and then also to give that back. But I will close with that. So that, that's what I learned. <laughs> What about the non-performing Beethoven in life in general? We've definitely become a society that wants to keep holding on not just to life, but to youth, to beauty, to what have you. Yeah. Do you fear the process of ultimate misintegration? Uh, giving in, perhaps? Oh, I mean, I think that, again, for us as artists, mm-hmm. as long as you keep wanting to grow, be inspired, but I want to say, not let's just say that for artists. Let's just say that for just people. In yeah. life, you want to, don't you want to be better than you were yesterday? No matter what that is. Or maybe you want to, you know, to take, do something that you've never done. Maybe even if you, you are just now learning to move a finger again. It's important to, to try, to, to have hope. And I think that as long as you try, hope, have vision, that's going to always keep you innovative, young, new. Because I think that a part of life is growth. I would never want to be the same person I was at 10. You know what I mean? You want to grow. That's what makes life amazing. The journey, the people, that, that's how you, 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 you learn. And that's why I'm like, no matter who you are, we all have our own story to tell. And each one of us has a path. And what's important is finishing your, your task and your path. That's it. And, 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 yeah. and, and if that calls for you to, to go and, you know, change this or change that, then that's your thing. But at the same time, just know that, you know, you got to just be happy with what you're doing. And if, if that makes you happy, go with it. But, 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 but that, that's the main thing, you know. And, and, and if we're all lucky. We should all be so lucky as to grow old if we're lucky. That's a, a, an amazing thing to, to do. Now we're going to move to a slightly interesting segment of this uh, show. Uh, it is brought to you by Hashtag Magazine and it's called Turn It Up. So I'm gonna turn be, It Up? Turn It Up, yeah. So okay. I'm gonna, so it, the interesting part about this segment is I'm going to ask you quick questions. You can't think too much. You've got to be very okay. spontaneous with your Boom, answer. boom, boom. Okay. Yes, yes. 
First question for you. Five wardrobe must-haves for any occasion. Oh, Louboutin shoes, black. Um, mm -hmm. A black skirt. High-waisted jeans, rich and skinny, which I love that. Um, a blazer and a T-top. And some shorts, some jean shorts. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. What's your idea of an all-star women or an all-star girl band? It could be a rock band. Who would be in it, dead or alive? Oh, man, let me tell you. Rhonda Smith. Woo! I had played with Rhonda on this band. Rhonda okay. Smith on bass. Um, mm -hmm. Sheila E. on the drums. Oh, wow. Right? I'm already killing. Cat Dyson is incredible on guitar. Mm -hmm. um, but I got to, I mean, you know what? I would want to throw in Orianti as well. Mm -hmm. Love yeah. Ori. I want to throw in Gretchen Men. I'm going to throw in Nita Strauss. I love all those girls. Jesus. <laughs> and then, um, you know what? Shaka Khan is definitely on the vocals. Liv Workles <laughs> on the vocals too. I mean, my band is just like killing. And then, um, Jesus. I've got um, tip of my tongue. I'm looking at her face. She's like, well, she's on the keys, though. Jesus Christ. Oh, Patrice Russian as well. My band is like slamming. Woo! Um, yes, I got Tina on the violin. No, the, the cello, mm -hmm. right? And the violin, I think she's got. I've got, um, geez. I've got, let me think, who else? Who else? Um, come on, Melina. I'm going to bring Kelly Clarkson in. And I'm definitely bringing Yolanda Adams. I got uh, Tramika <laughs> Richardson, who's phenomenal. I mean, my vocals is just like slamming, right? Yeah. And, and then, you know what? Just because I'm dreaming and it's important and I love it and it's fun. I'm going to bring in Janet Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> it killed it. Killed it on that it, one. It, the band is killing, right? <laughs> What's your favorite guilty pleasure song? Oh, my God. What's my favorite guilty pleasure song? Oh, Sir Duke. Which I, again, I guess as a musical person, I'm like, you know, I love that. And then I, man, I love Purple Rain. I love um, Jesus. What else? Uh, Bruno Mars, Uptown Funk. What's so crazy is I woke up singing that. Like I'm like, what is going on in my brain for me to go? You know. Um, uh, also, um, trying to think, what's up? I like Demi Lovato's Substance. For some reason, I don't know why they keep that. Cause what a great melody. And I like, you know, Ed Sheeran, too, with the chord changes. I like that. I love his um, the slow ballad. What is older song, but I love it. The one Justin Bieber had, too, about my mama, my mama don't like you. Love that. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. I love that line. <laughs> she likes everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh, and Drake. Oh, and right now, everything break my soul. Right? Look, I can keep going on and on. So, but, yeah. On the contrary, what is that one song that always makes you cry? Purple Rain. No. That's one, but the solo that we all keep watching over and over and over and over, um, feel my guitar my, while my guitar gently weeps. The Rock and Roll Hall of yeah. Fame version. Man, man, they were killing. That's solid. Oh, when I, isn't it? I mean, just everybody, 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 and the 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 feel. That's what I'm talking about. The feel, the vibe. It's like when everybody's on that same page, and we all, you know what I mean? Like you know what I mean as an artist. Like you could feel it. You're like, man, this go for it, man. It's, you, he's <laughs> He's in fifth gear right now. And then he just goes and we all, you know, you just witness it and you feel it. But once again, that goes back to, sorry, you said quick answers. Never mind, go ahead. So, yeah. <laughs> what has been the most embarrassing moment during a performance for you? God, uh, man, I mean, there's been so many awesome ones, but I think one that really stuck with me was, after I finished what I did this, the twirl and I did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and then I put the guitar down because I normally act like I'm dropping it and the lights go out. And then I remember I did a bow and then to get up and to see the standing ovation, but to see the people that was giving you the standing ovation. And I thought, wow. Because again, um, I think it, when it's the people that you love, the heroes that you love, and you see them literally like crying and literally like, you just like, wow, that's amazing. I don't forget that. What, what are the top five things that you've learned from your musical heroes over the years that you'd forever embody and cherish? Be kind. For sure. Be kind. The people that I have loved, they have been so kind to me. Ah, that it, it's just, I love it. Um, be authentic. 
always go out there and be the best that you can be. Have fun. And never apologize for what you're doing. Lovely. So that brings us an, uh, to an end uh, in terms of this segment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you totally killed it on that one. Thank you. Uh, before we conclude, uh, I'd like to also tell you that this interview will be aired on two major radio stations in India, uh, Big FM Shillong and Big FM Azol. And it's also going to be part of my podcast, my audio podcast series on Apple Podcasts. And, and soon to be out on uh, Spotify, Google, and other platforms. Sure. I I'll be sure to share the link with you once it's out. Please. And congratulations. Yes. Thank you so much for that. And before we leave, uh, people out here would love to hear a musical ending from you, if possible. What do you mean? Oh, like, oh, if, so you can, uh, if you can play something for us, that, nothing oh, like that. Oh, I it. don't even have... Oh, yeah. You know what? We'll save it for the next time. I would have set something up. I mean, uh -huh. being that yesterday was my birthday, I, right. I, I didn't even like think to put anything out or... Yeah. Okay. You know All what? Right. For sure. The next one, definitely. But I'll leave you with this. I'll say this. Thank you so much for um, supporting me and thank you for supporting live music. And I can't wait to see everybody. And I can't wait to share my new album, Dirty. And yeah, I hope look, that you like it. Looking forward to that. that. Thank yeah. you. But no, just thank you. Thank you for letting me come on. And thanks again. Seriously, just I appreciate everybody. I, 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 thank you. And all the birthday wishes and all the love. It, it, it's, it's, it's so amazing. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A million times. Thank you. As we continue to celebrate a dozen marvelous musical pieces, the showmanship that you have displayed in Thank terms you. of your vocal abilities, your guitar skills, your songwriting, Thank it sort you. of plays a very rich and intense life that people like us sort of await to watch. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. No, thank you. I, um, thank you. I, 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 um, I just feel so blessed that you guys uh, allow me to go out and that I get to really do this to make a living. I think I ha I'm having so much fun. I, I honestly want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, just thank you. And I hope that I, my, my goal is always to leave you something. And I want to have you to just, just reimagine whatever it is that you're thinking and to know that you matter, you count and that, yeah, that, that just to have fun and, and to have faith, never lose faith or hope ever. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a great blessing and an Amen. honor to have done so. Uh, and, and taking time out uh, amidst your busy schedule. Means thank a lot, you. Melina. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. I appreciate you. God bless you. And I'll see you again. Mm. Do stay in touch. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs>